0: Uh, please uh, keep your Bibles open there at Genesis, and we'll be flicking through a bit more of Genesis as we uh, look at the first talk this morning. But just, just for 60 seconds, 30 seconds each, I want you to turn to your neighbour, just to get your, your wheels turning in your brain, uh, and, and I want, want tell, tell each other, what's the one thing you find great about your work? What's the one thing you find frustrating about your work? And what's one thing that you're hoping to get some help with? This weekend, some perspective, some some thoughts on how to deal with. So really quick, don't tell the whole story. (laughs) 30 seconds each. One good thing, one bad thing, one thing for help. segment. Much fun there, so we better bring that to a halt. But um, I'm hoping that's just getting your wheels turning as we uh, think on this topic this weekend. Hey, uh, as a new Christian, I became a Christian at 19. Uh, I went to a church where no one ever talked about work in the sermon or, or anyone else anywhere else. I learned about prayer, I learned how to read my Bible, how to be a Christian husband. I learned about lying and stealing and adultery, how not to do them. (laughs) But no one ever talked about what it meant in practical ways to be a Christian in the workplace, how to think about my job, uh, the place where, you know, I actually spent, as we said earlier, a huge chunk of time apart from sleeping, probably the thing you do more than anything else. And it really left me with a distinct impression that work was kind of non-spiritual. It was kind of something that God didn't really care much about. There are other parts of my life that were really important to God, but God wasn't kind of fussed or enthusiastic either way. Uh, he had no real opinions on you know, how I thought about my work, what I did for my work, uh, whether I enjoyed it or endured it. It was just kind of a non-event that was there. I really hope you see this weekend, if nothing else. God has a fair bit to say to us in the Bible about work. He has some strong opinions. We'll only scratch the surface, but he has big things to say to us about work. In fact, as the Bible opens, did you notice that on the first page, the first character we meet in the whole Bible story is a worker. Scene one, curtain goes up, on stage by himself. Someone is working, and radical things are being said about work. The first worker we meet in the Bible is God, our first impression, our first picture of him. In Genesis 1 and 2, God is portrayed as a worker and described you know, explicit working verbs. If you look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. you hear something being emphasised here? And just in case you didn't get it, it goes on. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all the work of creating he had done. If we'd read further into chapter 2, there's all sorts of tradey verbs used about God: planting, designing, crafting, shaping, making, labouring. He's an artisan who sculptures a man out of mud. The, the word that's used is the word for the worker. He's someone who landscapes a garden. Something's being emphasised to us. And look, you might, you might come away on this weekend and think, you know, be thinking. Four talks on work. What would a minister know about work? I mean, everyone knows ministers. They only work one day a week. And even then, it doesn't actually look that hard. Well, the great news for you is we'll be listening together in these talks not to my ideas and vast experience about work, but, but what God has to say. Someone who actually really knows what it's like to roll up his sleeves... And get on with it. And God has some big things to say about work. So so let me warn you, because, because work is such a big part of life, you've inevitably come to this weekend. You've inevitably come to this topic. You already have developed habits and attitudes and values and perspectives about work. You have strong ideas that you've inherited about work from your family, from your culture, from your own experience. And so one of the challenges this weekend is we need prepared for God to shake those things up and to push us on the things we've already, you know, think we've got poured into concrete in our thinking about work. Maybe one of the biggest assumptions is it's not just going to be paid work that we're talking about here. Work in the Bible is not defined by whether you get money for it. Notice on the seventh day, God doesn't stop work in order to email an invoice. The first worker we meet doesn't work for a salary. What the Bible has to say about work will apply equally to what you do in the office or unstacking the dishwasher once you get home equally someone who works for pay, works at home, bringing up kids, caring for an elderly relative, a disabled family member. Our society defines work. Our society says once you stop paid work, you're worthless. But the Bible does not make that value distinction. I mean, I actually keep having conversations. I currently work two and a half days a week for pay and I actually volunteer my, uh, my work uh, for the rest of the week. And even though I've actually, I think, never actually worked harder in my life than I'm currently working, it's not all money-earning kind of work. I keep having conversations. Uh, even the last couple of weeks, as I've been thinking about these talks, I've had conversations with uh, the barista, the barber, with my dentist. I keep having the same conversation. I explain I'm choosing to work part-time for money, part-time volunteered, and they all say, what does your wife think about that? (laughs) And the tone is, gee, she chose poorly. (laughs) What a dud bloke. What's wrong that he doesn't work full-time? And then it's usually followed up with a kind of question that says, oh, oh, you've had some kind of breakdown or something, have you? <laughs> I know women get this too, but look, even in progressive LGBTI Redfern, where I live, the traditional idea that I'm valued as a bloke only if I'm a breadwinner is actually strangely alive and well. Hey, in the last talk, we are actually, actually see, I'll actually push you on the idea, that the Bible describes prayer as work, something to be laboured in and to struggle with. Epaphras with the Colossians labours in prayer. So, so how about how's this for an idea? The person in our church family here at Chatswood, who's too old and frail to go to the office anymore or even get out of bed in the nursing home anymore, but praise but works throughout our church directory praise for each of you by name finds out what needs to be you know the work of the gospel here at Chatswood and praise for those things we'll actually see tomorrow their work their work may be more valuable maybe far more significant they might achieve more by Friday afternoon when they knock off from their work than the rest of us all put together. How do you value work? So you think about the radical idea your most productive year as a worker still lies ahead of you as you give yourself to prayer in the nursing home. You know, with your mushy pumpkin and your, and your peas. But we get ahead of ourselves. Let's go back to Genesis. Just about the first thing we learn about God, He knows what it's like to work. And to rest, and it's no accident, as those made in his image, those characteristics are written into our natures as well. Here in Genesis 1, God's working week, God's seven-day pattern of work and rest, he gives to us. Like God, we have been made to work and find enjoyment and satisfaction in our work. I mean, the picture here, God sits back on the seventh day and he, he enjoys what he's done. The universe that he's made, the vast solar systems, the complexity of the way you know, human beings are put together, the, the intricate detail of atoms. He, he looks at it and says, yeah, 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 this is very good. It's that satisfying feeling of getting a job done, like sitting back on the veranda after you've mowed the lawn and, and admiring how good it looks. You know, finally assembling that piece of Ikea and you know, sitting in it and, it and it actually holds your weight. Nailing that essay. Uh, Instagramming your latest birthday cake triumph. The, the satisfying feeling of working, laboring on something and bringing it to completion. Like the God who in Genesis 1 brings order out of chaos. You know, to, to finally sit on the lounge at the end of the day, the kids are asleep, washed and clean, bags ready for the morning, you know, food wiped off benches, table, chairs, walls, ceiling. You know, toys are out of the toilet and in their crates. Dirty clothes are in the basket. And that, that satisfying... That beautiful background hum of a full dishwasher. (laughs) To turn the 6 pm chaos into order. We are made in God's image to find joy and satisfaction in those things. And when God, in Genesis 1, when he looks at his labours and declares that it is good. I take it, you, you know, it's not just the, the good of the engineer, you know, look, all the angles are right and the structures are working and the intricate subsystems are all combining well, but also the good of the artist. His creativity, the, the colours, the smells, the tastes are pleasing. With creativity and ingenuity and artistry, we've been made to work. You can see all of this, I think, most clearly. When you look at people who don't work, the long-term unemployed are people in prison and not allowed to work. Eventually, you know, they become kind of less than human. They become shells of the people they once were. Work is a good gift. From God. Chapter 2, verse 15, if you look, God puts Adam and Eve in the garden to work. Part of the goodness of paradise is the challenge to look after the creation, to order it and to manage it. And I take it likewise, in the new creation, we will work. I don't know if you've thought about that In heaven, it won't be all sitting around on deck chairs by the pool, uh, sipping pina coladas. But I take it part of ex- a place of full of exciting, creative challenges to work on together, cities to build, technologies to invent, art to create. And already here in Genesis, this is a a radical thing to say. Uh, In the ancient world, work was something best avoided. In the ancient East, the creation story that everyone knew, the Genesis one is actually kind of having a go at It was a story about a god named Marduk who created the world and all the other gods complain, And they say, oh, what did you go and do that for? Because now we'll have to work. Now we'll have to look after it. But Marduk solves the problem. He creates a lowly, humble creature, the human, to do the dirty, servile thing of working, looking after the creation. It... In the ancient West, I mean, the Greeks pictured their gods in in long white robes, lounging around being fed grapes, and they never got their hands dirty. Others did manual tasks while they thought lofty thoughts. Work was beneath them. Do you know the story of Pandora's box? You um, You know, Zeus gives Pandora the box and says, there's bad things in this. Don't open it. Whatever you do, don't open it. So she opens it. And out comes the four great evils. You know what that? Sickness, suffering, greed, and work. But, of course, you may have noticed, so we've looked at Genesis 1 and 2. In fact, maybe you've wanted to scream it out. The world we live in is not quite like this. Work in our experience is a bit different to the picture here in Genesis 1 and 2. In Genesis 3, Adam and Eve reject God's goodness, rebel against him. Sin enters and spoils a perfect world. It becomes a place of disease and decay, natural disasters, suffering, evil and death. The world becomes Not a paradise for God's children, but a fitting prison for rebels against him. And all God's good things, they don't disappear, but they kind of get twisted. They're kind of still good, but now they're tainted. God's good gift of sex, of relationships, families. Still, you know, great joy, but but so often it goes wrong and there's great heartache. All these wonderful things are now twisted with pain and problems, including the gift <laughs> of work. Look at the bit God says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 18. Uh, chapter 3, verse 18, to Adam, he said... It's oh, going up on the screen. That's this It uh, says, because you've disobeyed me, verse 18, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. There is something wrong with our world, and your work is experience is where you will encounter it as much as anywhere else. The creation intended to be a delight, it now works against us. It's there to, but put there by God to frustrate us as part of our punishment for ignoring him. So in a fallen world, work will be a mixed bag. It's interesting, our, our small group talked about this this week and what we liked and didn't like about work. And, gee, the mixedness of it was really there. Uh, great joys and also great problems. Work will be a mixed bag. Work is still possible. Adam will still eat the plants of the field. Work will still yield rewards. will be satisfying at times. But, gee, it's also going to be painful and frustrating. Now, thorns and thistles. As I look around the room, I can't see many farmers. Full-time, anyway, farmers. The thorns and thistles that frustrate your work, they might be the... The flat tyre and the taxi on that way to that really crucial meeting. Uh, the mobile dropout just as you're about to clinch that deal. The hard drive dying just before you email in that assignment with five minutes to go. The pay pass chip failing as you push your full trolley and screaming baby to the checkout. And work in a fallen world will sometimes just be not creative and exciting, but dull and frustrating. Uh, when I was a uni student, uh, I had a six-week summer job working in a factory where they made desserts in, in little plastic containers like the ones you see in the fridge even still at 7-Eleven. Day one, I, I stood in position and the, the empty plastic cups came along this <laughs> conveyor belt and and... Chocolate mousse got squirted into each one. As it came past me, I put the lid on. <laughs> and after a few hundred of these, an hour or so, I looked across at the, the other guy who was working there. Who Well, he kind of looked like this was not his summer job. This is actually what he did permanently. And I said, I yelled over the machinery, is this what you normally do? And he looked at me and smiled oh, and nah, nah nah. He said tomorrow is strawberry. <laughs> On the third day <laughs> it went back to chocolate. And uh, I actually quit at morning 2. But there were people there, this was there day in, day out, week in, week out, year in, year out, work in a fallen world. So can I can to say, thank God when your work is enjoyable and satisfying. Don't take that for granted. But it shouldn't surprise us if our work is sometimes frustrating and unsatisfying. In fact, I think having that perspective... We'll talk about a whole lot more practical things after morning tea, but just one practical thing from this first talk is if you can just have that framework, if you can just expect that that will be what work will be like in this world, gee, that might just sometimes get you through. And understanding that is probably, I think, the first step in coping with all sorts of issues with work. Sin has ripped us off badly. And when our work is boring or seems pointless, you know, as, you, as you pick the thorns and thistles out of your feet, remind yourself, this is not the way the world is meant to be. This is not the world that I was meant for. It should make us long for the new creation, where our work will be so different, where all God's good gifts will be good again. One of my earliest memories as a kid, each boxing day, my four cousins would come over. They were older than me, and they they kind of just had this knack of always zeroing in on on the present from Christmas I I most liked, and taking it over, and almost always breaking it. I I hated boxing day. I actually remember one year I got a tricycle. I said, oh, there it is. You're good. Okay. That's not actually it, but it was pretty much like that. And one of my cousins, he rode it down the three front steps at our place and put this big dent in the rim. It kind of still worked. I had it for years. But every cycle, there was this, this little clunk that, that shuddered through your body. It was enjoyable but every little clunk reminded me of my cousins. <laughs> I liked my tricycle, but I always knew it. It reminded me every every turn of the wheel that it could have been better than this. That is the Bible's picture of work. And it's important because lots of stuff gets written on work in Christian c- circles that I think is incredibly positive and optimistic, a theology of work <laughs> It's a lot about Genesis 1 and 2 and not enough about Genesis 3. Huge emphasis on career fulfillment. Follow your dreams, pursue excellence, make a difference in the world with your work in a way that doesn't actually take Genesis 3 sufficiently into account. talk a whole lot more about that tomorrow, but it's a really important thing as we think about the way the Bible begins. I guess that brings me to a roadmap for this weekend. After morning tea, I want to talk positively about Working in a fallen world. Work can still be good. How do, we, how do we do that well? And then tomorrow we'll take the wider view. We'll think about the place of your day job in your overall life. And in eternity, we'll think about work and rest. Because you see the two big problems with work. Yes, the creation is fallen. There are, there are thorns and thistles out there. The creation is out to get us. But also in here, creation's fallen, but so am I. We are broken. And in our sinful hearts, we constantly think in wrong ways about work. We we take God's good gift and we misuse it. We mishandle it. We can make work into an idol. We can put it as a thing that should be the place where God is. And we'll think a whole lot more about that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for work and rest. We want to thank you that even in a fallen world, work can sometimes bring great satisfaction. We can glimpse imperfectly what you intended it to be as a great gift. We ask that this might whet our appetite for the new creation that is coming. And Heavenly Father, when work is frustrating, when it is menial, difficult, Again, we ask that this, too, would whet our appetites for the world to come. But, Heavenly Father, give us wisdom right now. Help us as we think about this topic together in the talks, in our conversations, in our own quiet personal reflections this weekend. We ask that you would be moving in all of this. We bring before you those in our church family where right now the challenges and frustrations, the disappointments of work are very real. Creator God is an awesome theme to contemplate that you have made us in your image and likeness, like you to work and rest. So help us to listen carefully to you as we come, no doubt, with our ideas and issues. Do business with each of us this weekend as we think about these things. We pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen.